and welcome to Inspiring Women Leaders, the podcast about leadership by women only, from which everyone can learn. Inspiring Women Leaders aims to showcase the extensive leadership knowledge and practical skills of its incredible guests, and to both inspire and educate its listeners, helping them acquire the know-how necessary to become better leaders themselves. Without further ado, I'd now like to welcome my guest. So please, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Inspiring Women Leaders. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Inspiring Women Leaders. Today, I'm really excited to welcome to the show my friend and fellow physician coach, Professor Stephanie Biley. Stephanie is an amazing person. She is a professor of anesthesiology and pain management. She's an obstetric anesthesiologist. She's a life coach who helps women physicians get joy back in their personal and professional life so they don't have to leave medicine. A life coaching business is called Physician Healer. She loves to coach women in leadership, those who aspire to be in leadership and those who are having challenges in leadership. She also loves coaching women who, physicians who've suffered trauma. Um, for example, if they have someone close to them who has struggled with an addiction or if they personally have been involved with a narcissist on, on the receiving end of that kind of behavior. So I think it's very fair to say that Professor Biley is leading the way with inspiration. So without further ado, let's meet Professor Stephanie Biley. Welcome to the show, Stephanie. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on and speak to the show's audience. I'm so I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you, Adam. I am ecstatic to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Bless you. Okay, so in your own words, um, obviously I've, I've read your introduction, but would you like to tell the audience a little bit more about you, including um, what your current work roles are and what leadership positions you currently hold or have held in the past, please? Yes. Uh, so I am an academic anesthesiologist, and um, I would say, you know, went through all the things that that occur for women that are striving to get promoted in academic medicine. But I've been I've been very fortunate to hold many uh, administrative or leadership roles. So I was chief of staff of the hospital that I spent 17 years practicing and then was also um, just gave up a role as the head of a, of a large division of obstetrical anesthesiology where we take care of incredibly sick women. Uh, I was also the head of the general anesthesia team prior to that. And um, I am also currently the chair of uh, the Committee on Women Anesthesiologists for the American Society of Anesthesiologists. But I've also really held many leadership roles within the hospital and within my department as well. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a very impressive resume. Um, Thank you. And, and in a very, you know, from what I can gather from coaching physicians in academic medicine, um, it can be a very, very challenging environment uh, yeah. on the academic side of yes. things, um, sometimes more so than the, the general hospital side of things. So. And especially um, for women, there's definitely a whole subset of challenges that women face in, yeah. in, in medicine in general, but in, especially in academic medicine. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully we'll uh, learn a bit more about those um, as we go on. So um, thank you for that. So what, what would you say your personal leadership style is? 
I, um, well, let's see. If we talk about the disc profile, I am a D, uh, a very dominant person. Um, I think I've learned over the years not to rule, see how I'm saying rule, but with command, you know how there's this um, kind of command and control. Uh, I've learned over the years really um, about how to lead. I think as times have changed, where really you're you're leading a team and everybody has a part in the decision making. And so that you want to empower everybody on your team to feel like they really are participating and mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. they think matters and what they would like to accomplish in their role matters because the team yeah. is really only as good as all of the parts that make up the team. Yeah. And so um, I would say though that my leadership style has really evolved into that versus prior to that really um, being in a situation where I was in charge of a large group of people and some of the people that I was in leadership of were gentlemen that were older than me who had mm-hmm. been in the role prior to that the yeah. same role. And so when I came in as a young 35-year-old woman, they're like, who is this you know, woman that's coming in to try to tell me what to do? Yeah. And so, you know, again, I would say uh, leadership style has changed. I'm also, if you ever follow the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram 8, which is the the challenger, which is mm-hmm. I'm sort of the person who's always ready. Like if you come at me with an issue, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to sort of go. I, I don't um, shy away from confrontation, I would yeah. say. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But then, you know, I think in, um, in the environments within which you've worked, uh, it, it would seem that if you hadn't taken that kind of approach initially, you'd have been walked all over, I'm guessing. Um, you, you know, yes, I love, absolutely love what I do. I do obstetrical mm. anesthesia as well as general anesthesia mm. in the operating room. And I will say though, that the operating room or the perioperative environment can be a hostile work environment at some point yeah. because there is a lot of tension. There's a lot of stress. We take care of very sick patients and there are sometimes personalities at play. And what we find happens is, is that the, anesthesia team oftentimes gets degraded and, and sort of the becomes um, the center for dysfunction as far as people coming at them and blaming and, and, right. you know, stressful environments. And so, uh, it can, you know, you have to really be able to stand up for yourself yeah. and cause, because you're really, you know, standing up for the patient first, but course, yeah. it, it can be a very, you know, contentious environment. Yeah. Yeah, no, I see that. Yeah, and as you've sort of matured into your into your role, you've become more collaborative, more affiliative, more sort of coaching style, presumably, and involving yes. people. You said more democratic, that kind of thing. So it's yeah. And the thing for me is, I'm one, I'm a fixer. So if there's an issue, I. I want to go in, find out, you know, what all the issues are, and then I want to fix mm-hmm. it, which sometimes the system is not ready for that. So I think oftentimes you're brought in as an agent of change and you come in and you, you learn what, what needs to be fixed. And then when you try to go ahead and push those initiatives through, depending on your system, 
they may not be ready for all of those. So it may be a process. And what I've definitely learned over the years is slow, constant pressure. And some things that I had initiated, say, five years ago, in my previous role, it took it took five years to get something approved, but it was something that you just the system has to be ready for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that that makes perfect but, sense. Yes, but not to give up. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're certainly playing the long game if you're thinking it takes five years. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, I guess that's where you know having a strategic you know, an overview of things and, and a visionary kind of, you know, we need things to be like this in a certain period of time. We know it's going to take this long. So let's just yes. start the ball rolling and just keep, you know, tapping right. away. Yes. And and I think that's one of the things that happens with physicians is that um, we, we have this moral injury piece where we see yeah. things that are happening that we know are not the way that things should necessarily be. Yeah. And um, one of the things that I've definitely learned over the years, and especially with coaching, is that when you resist all of these, th- these things, so I'm not saying that things that are you know egregious or there's a threat to a patient's mm-hmm. life, but just things that you think should be fixed now, or when we continue to resist that, that's what ends up causing a lot of issues for us personally, instead of learning how to function within the system if you want to stay in that system. Yeah. And so really understanding where, you know, what you're dealing with and how do you want to yeah. handle this, but not from a place of being a victim and things always happening to you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so kind of, it, it's important to want to have those, you know, negative things to change and improve. But if you're, if you're constantly fighting and you're not kind of picking your battles and being strategic about it, you know, kind of not, thinking along the lines of COVID circles of what you can control and what things, you know, you're just banging your head against the wall and that's wasted time and energy. Right. Um, right. Then yeah, that, that could, would definitely contribute to just, just feeling exhausted. Wouldn't it? You know, you just be like, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't face any more battles, you know? Right. And, and the, yeah. bur- and, you know, burnout and all the things that, you know, come from that or more- yeah injury whichever you know term yeah. but yeah so it's really a it's you know the resisting that we do causes so much of our own angst yeah yeah of course of course brilliant thank you so um yeah and i definitely feel like i have an insight into your style and how it's changed over the years and um can you tell us how you kind of got got into these leadership roles kind of what what led up to you were achieving them you were obviously very very young when you um you know what five less five or seven years or something out of med school and you were I have to say um I think part of it came from my childhood and and the things that I faced so I um grew up in a single with a single mom um Mm. and just a lot of different adversity that occurred and I actually had to start working when I was 15 to pay my mother rent and so and I grew up on welfare and things like this and so I developed this a work ethic. Um, and when I, the, I would say that um, the residency program that I went to was very much focused on when you were done, you we're going to go into academic medicine, you were going to be an administrator, you were going to do research, you were going to care, you know, hold all the roles. Yeah. And so when I came to where I am, 
um, I think I just was ready to do that because I had come from a place where that was just expected. And even as a, as a resident, like I was, I was a chief resident and ended up doing a fellowship. I, you know, I heard already moved into some leadership roles at that point. So when I got there, um, but I will say I was a little bit of a bull in a China shop because when I, when I got to my, where I work, I sort of was like, okay, this and this and this needs to be fixed. And places look at that, like, okay, so what are you saying? Are you trying to tell us that what we've been doing has been wrong? And, yeah. you know, it can cause like a defensive. So I would say that I did come in guns a blazing. Yeah. That didn't always serve me well. Um, and I did have to learn from that. Um, but it did help me to, to say, okay, this is how I want to lead. This is how I'm going to react to very strong personalities that are coming up to me, you know, in the operating room and saying this and this and this, you know, and really learning how I want to be showing up instead of at the end of the day being, gosh, why did I say that? Or, you know, I wish I would have handled that differently. And not to say that I handle everything perfectly, but just started to learn as the leader, how I wanted to start showing up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so so it sounds like you had a a challenging childhood and and sort of teenage years, and you were quite a you know a gritty, almost battle hardened person, even yeah. when you were young. Um, and that was just, and you you presumably had a lot of armor. You know, you'd kind of like exactly developed a lot, um, a, a very thick skin because of your personal experiences and and yeah, things that other people would have taken personally or been hurt by or shied away from you were like no I can cope with this I've I've I've, I've dealt with worse in my life (laughs) right and and I think that I um and I will say this is hilarious now that you said that you just reminded me of something I started working McDonald's when I was 15 to you know pay my mom rent I had to buy a car and all this and and I said I wanted to be a cook and they're like girls don't cook and I was like well then I'm going to be the first woman who does that and I did. I guess that started. It all started there. No, but um, but uh, I always have been the person who felt like they needed to take care of the underdog, the person who couldn't mm-hmm. help themselves. And so I I think that that really did come from my childhood and feeling like I was a victim at all the time, and that I really needed to take care of everybody else. And that's yeah. part of my leadership style as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's. Uh... That's good, and and obviously, you know, as you said, you uh, you know, you you came up against some resistance and pushback early on in your leadership career, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it would be abnormal if anyone went into their first leadership role and it went smoothly and seamlessly and and whatever. I mean, I know we're, we're medics, right? We're not we're not taught leadership. We're not. You know, we could do with leadership training at medical school. With we could do with it on residency programs and so on, um, but we just don't have that many opportunities. It's slowly, slowly starting to improve. There are there are things coming coming out, but it's understandable that you know you're just thrust into a leadership role because because you're a physician because it's just expected that. And and yeah. and we we are leaders of people, you know. As as you climb through the ranks, you are, you know, when you're a resident, you you're leading younger residents, interns, medical students, etc. It, it it is, you know, it's all part of that. But uh, you're yeah, you're not really taught how to deal with everyone in in the round exactly. as a 
yeah so yeah so you know but these things make us who who we're becoming and you know you're a a, a fabulous you know uh affiliative collaborative leader now and you know i'm here i am talking about leadership with people it's you know we learn and, yes, and hopefully absolutely. we can, we can sh- share this stuff so yeah it's so, like everything that happens to us happens just exactly the way it is supposed to that's yeah. my the way that i live my life yeah yeah for sure yeah um thank you so um were there were there any doctors senior to you female or male that helped you rise um early on you know um Yes, I had a, a one surgeon who I really admired very much. Um, she was chief of staff of the hospital when I was a very young anesthesiologist, and we worked a lot together. And I sort of looked to her as a role model for how I wanted to be. I was very fortunate, though, that there um, was actually a neurosurgeon that we worked together as well. I, I did a neuroanesthesiology fellowship as well, so did a lot of anesthesia for neurosurgery. And he saw leadership potential and then had initiated my my um, role as the vice chief of staff and then move up to the chief of staff. And then that led to being the head of like the medical executive committee and the peer review committee and a lot of other things. So I've just been very fortunate that other people have recognized leadership roles, in, you know, yeah. that they've said, you know, we think you would be good. So really sponsors. Um, which, you know, doesn't happen for women as often as it does for men. So I've, Mm. I've been very fortunate for that. And then this, this leadership role that I have in the American society of anesthesiologists, there was a a woman, her name is Dr. Linda Hertzberg, who was a trailblazer for women in anesthesiology. And I also got affiliated with her and she Mm. helped me become the chair of the committee. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So, that's yes, great. I've I've had, and there that's just a few people. There's been a lot of amazing people along the way. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. But they were they were um, kind of instrumental mentors for you, and uh, yeah, and and you say you know you were you were lucky and fortunate, but you know they you had you had the skills there. You know you were you know I suppose a diamond in the rough or something. They can see the potential in you. So yeah. you know it was. <laughs> It, it wasn't it wasn't luck uh per se you know you you had it you had the talent um it was it's just it's just good that they recognized that and you know acted to support you rather than you know what can happen in some situations which is feeling threatened by people like like that so yeah, yeah it's good okay. yes. um so it's been it's been pretty positive so far. I'm hoping not to bring us on t- too much of a downer, but it it is important for for me in this show for aspiring leaders to um, learn about some of the pitfalls of um, you know getting into leadership roles and um, and how at my experts like yourself have dealt dealt with these situations and navigated them. So. Um, did you ever experience any challenges like bullying, discrimination, harassment, or anything else on your journey? And and if so, how did you cope with that and, and move past it? I I would have to say, um, my, with the way that I lead, uh, I will directly confront people. And so if there is someone who says to me, oh, this person, you know, is angry at you or said this, or you did this. I'm the first person to call and say, you know, let's discuss this. Let's clear the air and have an honest conversation. 
And I am willing to accept when I've, you know, made a mistake, uh, not made the right decision because, you know, we're not perfect, we're human. And so I confront things, I would say, you know, head on. Um, I have been in some situations that I uh, will say with other people that, um, frankly, there wasn't really a great solution to it, except to set boundaries uh, with those people. And really to decide, okay, you know, do I want to continue in this role? Because I do not think that this situation is fixable. Do I want to, you know, continue going down this path or is it time for me to exit this role? Because although we want to think of everything as right or wrong, or this is fair and this is not fair, sometimes things just happen and it just is. And, but you have to decide, in my opinion, for yourself, is this role empowering you? Are you letting it empower you or becoming disempowered from this role? And yeah. so, um, you know, I, I would, so I would say in general, yes, I have faced challenges, um, in leadership and I've tried to address them head on, mm-hmm. but again, I'm not going to continue to push for something that is just not going to be the right thing for me. Yeah. 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 I understand. Is, is, is there a, is there a particular situation that kind of springs to mind that you could share that you could sort of anonymize it wouldn't be too, too obvious, um, where there's been some learning? Um, I would say that there was a situation when I first came to where I am, um, and it was a situation with a surgeon who had a bad outcome and really was trying to you know, blame me for that bad outcome as far as the okay. anesthesia when it was actually just the patient's pathology that they came in with. Okay. And it really pushed it far and being a new position. I also was in the middle of going through a divorce. So was a single parent and pretty much the sole financial responsibility for both my kids. I still had to go ahead and push forward and fight the fight. Um, And once it was resolved though, I decided that it it really wasn't the right team for me to remain on. And so I, I switched and part of it was because what was going on in my personal life with my divorce, but I sort of was like, you know, I push this as far as I want to push it. The air is clear, but I'm exiting this team because I think it's going to be better for myself and my life for multiple reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it was on your terms though. That's the thing you, you kind of had control of that situation. It wasn't like you felt like you, you had to leave. You could have carried on in that situation but you were like i guess you know um it probably wasn't in alignment with your values and so on to kind of like stay within that role right and and i would say um you know the leadership role that i just left i was in for seven years and i had gotten to the point where it was time for somebody else to take over the team because i felt like i had accomplished so many things that i wanted to accomplish but it was it was time for someone who was going to be in that role for a longer period of time, who was younger than I was, yeah. who really wanted to continue to push things forward in the division that I mm-hmm. I had come to my sort of limits is what I thought I yeah. could do. And it was time for me um, to say, you know what, it's been great to be in this role and I, I it's been incredible, but it's time for somebody else to take over. And not, um, I think that the key thing is, especially for women, 
is that you're coming from a place again of being empowered and making these decisions for yourself for what yep. is best for you. Because I think that's often issues that physicians run into is that we we have learned to not uh, listen to ourselves and be compassionate towards ourselves and what yeah. we need. And sometimes we'll stay in roles just because we feel that we have to, we're supposed to sacrifice ourselves for everybody else. Yeah. Um, and so we can, you know, and if we're, and if you get burned out in a role, that isn't going to help your team as well. Absolutely. Yeah, of course. Um, and so that, that, that kind of episode, um, coincided with you having been in the role for a certain period of time and it, it just everything was just right to move to move on then right that the other yeah. episode were in was younger in my career and this was just recently but it was you know time to say hey you know um this has been wonderful uh and but time for someone else yeah 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 no good but uh, the yeah i think the key thing is it's on your terms. You, you kind of, you own that decision. You don't feel, you know, kind of under duress or backed into a corner or, you know, kind of um, coerced into doing something. Um, So that's, that's, that's empowering in in itself, isn't it? Yes. Well, thank you for that, for that excellent um, advice, kind of navigating through these, uh, these tricky situations. Um, Do you have any other advice for our listeners on how to become well, I, th- I think you are a strong and kind leader. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I would say um, some of the biggest work is really understanding yourself first and what your motivation is for wanting to be in a leadership role. And as physicians, we, we want to fix things, right? We want to we want to make people better and we want to make systems better. Um, but I think you really understand what your motivation is, your why. Why am I doing this? your vision, understanding how you lead. So I think it is really helpful in our current times to actually use some objective tools like the Enneagram or the DISC profile. There's so many different personality tests that you can do now that are scarily insightful. I mean, they are spot on when you start looking and, and a lot of them will actually tell you how you like to lead and why and also how people need to communicate with you and how to be you know, the most effective because people are, are, are different, right? If we look at the Enneagram, there's nine different types. If you look at the disc, there's four different types. And so people are very different. Not everybody's going to be the same. And I think what happens with position leaders, oftentimes, especially like I was with the command and control, the D personality, and, and there's not many women who are Ds, um, but I expected everybody to have the same work ethic that I did. So, yeah. you know, if I'm going to work this hard and be this motivated, you should do the same. And that's just not, you know, really the correct mindset to have. I mean, as the leader, you can set the vision, hope that you inspire people, um, yeah. but really to understand your leadership style. And I would yeah. say that getting additional leadership courses um, I know I keep focusing on women, but like there's the Harvard um, course, leadership course. There are so many leadership courses because, again, there's another element for women. But just in general, for anyone who's taking on a leadership role, take additional courses, because as you've said, we don't get any training specifically going through medical school, residency, you know, to to become a leader. And it is very challenging, especially nowadays in medicine, because you have administration, 
with what they're trying to do. You have your team and then you have the patients. And so you're really working in a very complicated system and you're, you're kind of juggling all these balls, you know, you have like 10 balls in the air and you're trying to focus on, you know, what is most pertinent at the time. So again, advise, you know, get some extra training, have a coach. I will say that every position that's in a leadership role should have a coach. And it's not because it's punitive. Coaching used to be something punitive in medicine. Now it should just be a must. Like I will never be without a coach just as, as a person, uh, you know, um, but uh, definitely to have a coach and there's, there's leadership coaches, there's life coaches, there's executive coaches. There's so many different types, but definitely have a coach. Yeah. Well, you're, you know, you're preaching to the choir here, of course. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have a coach as well. So, uh, yes. yeah, it, you know, and, and she's absolutely essential uh, to me. And uh, actually, there's a there's a lovely, um, very, very brief uh, snippet of an interview um, that Marshall Goldsmith does with um, Dr. Jim Kim, who is a a medical doctor, a physician by a, a nephrologist, I think by training, um, and was, I'm not sure if he still is president of the world bank. Um, and I think I'll put it in the show notes. It's literally like two minutes long, but, but, uh, you know, Dr. Kim talks about, you know, how, um, Atul Gawande had a coach and, um, Tiger Woods has a coach and whatever. And it's like, so yeah. coaches are, you know, you know, we need, we need coaches initially to kind of, um, you know, help us get to the level that we can be at. Um, but then to continue with that, to maintain that level, to maintain that yes, level of excellence that we, that we get to. So, um, but uh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's, it's you know, uh, it's testament, testament to you that you have such insight into how your, you know, your background life affected your leadership style and what your leadership style was initially and you know like like you said not you know in in back in the day trying to encourage people to work as hard as you because you were very very hard working and now we know that uh, you know obviously it's important to kind of like have that life balance and um you know, not, not kind of push ourselves and, um, and burn out. And, you know, the, the things that, that you see on, on the email signatures now, you know, I may, I may be sending this email at 11 PM or 3am, but I do not expect you to reply outside of working hours and things like that. And it's just, it, absolutely, it's got, it's got to be better, hasn't it? I think so. Um, Excellent. Okay. (laughs) I'm sure. No, I mean, it's it's uh, it's the way forward, isn't it? With um, you know, with physician burnout and and uh, at, at sort of epic proportions, um, we just need to um, to do that, don't we? Con- concentrate on uh, people having their rest time and having their downtime and and whatever. So, well, I think too, you know, if we you know looking at the system and as far as leadership in that manner, you know, we know the medical system is, is broken. Um, yeah. You know, people are working on that, but, you know, obviously it's going to be a slow 
change. Oh. Um, I think COVID obviously has amplified all of the issues with healthcare mm. workers, but we still do have some control of our, ourselves. And that's the part that's critical. Um, you know, we hear, oh, <laughs> do yoga, meditate, become more resilient. Well, we're already the most resilient people that walk the earth, but that's so true. We can, so true. We can take care of ourselves so that the medical system does not suck the life out of us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You don't, you, you can't get to where, uh, where you and, and my other guests are without being super resilient. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, a, 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 a little wellness course, a little bit of lunchtime, you know, meditation, what lunchtime? <laughs> right. No, you know? Yeah. I, I, I laugh when people say, what's your day off? And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, <laughs> or what's your lunch hour? I'm like, well, I have 10 minutes maybe between a case to grab yeah. something, and, you know, and I'm going to try to remember to go to the restroom when I get a minute, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, absolutely. But we have to, yeah. we have to, um, we have to take care of ourselves and, and there are ways to do that. We just have to give ourselves the self-compassion and grace and to say that, you know, we deserve to have self-care and yeah. take care of ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. That's, that's really, that's really powerful. Thank you. Um, okay. So um, coming towards the, the closing questions now. So, so firstly, what would be your take home leadership messages for our listeners? I would say that every position is a born leader. As you mentioned, we lead teams all the time, but to really decide how you want to show up every day and that when you go home at the end of the day, are you beating yourself up for the things that you should, all these shoulds that we do to ourselves, I should have done this or I shouldn't have done this. Decide how you want to be, decide if you really want to be in leadership get extra training, figure out your personality type, get a mentor, get a sponsor, get a coach. Those are sort of my, the main things I would say, but that we need physicians in leadership and we need women physicians. We need people of different colors. Uh, you know, we know that if patients are not taken care of by people that look like them, they get differences in their care. I don't know if it's the same where you are, but certainly in the United States. So we need diverse leaders who bring what their piece to the table, Um, but we have to be effective at it. And that's the thing is that we have to learn how to function within these systems when there's so many pieces pulling at us and you're trying to decide who am I serving, you know, but the big picture of what you're trying to do it is difficult, I will say, sometimes to walk your line of integrity, and there will be people on a daily basis who try to push you off your line of integrity. Um, I would say that if you're going to talk the talk, you better walk the walk. And yeah. so do not say or talk or tell your team to lead or to act in a certain way when you are not doing the same on a daily basis. Yeah. And I will say for women, I know, again, I I bring up the gender piece, but, you know, there are different uh, factors or challenges that women leaders face that are very, very real. And they add so much more complexity to a leadership role. Yeah. Yeah. No. And and do bring up the gender thing. This is, you know, this is why this podcast is in existence, you know. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. But um yeah, I mean, I was talking to our, our good friend, uh, Dr. Dawn Sears, recently, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, She's like awesome. you said, <laughs> as as you all are, oh. um, 
otherwise I wouldn't have invited you on so um <laughs> thank you <laughs> but you you know you you hold down a full-time job then you know you're still the primary caregiver for your for your children you're still kind of like rushing home to to make their dinner and help them with their homework and and go to the PTA and the the games and and all of this sort of stuff um you know you have all of that to kind of factor into your to your life as well and you know the uh, some of the, the the men don't necessarily do that and they will you know maybe go to the golf course and and you know strike those deals with their fellow physicians while you're looking after your kids and things like that well so. that's right and it's called it's actually called the second shift yeah. when you go home and you have your second full-time job and, and that is actually, I'm really glad you brought that up because networking is a key thing for leadership roles yeah. um, that women have, we are not given the same opportunities. As you said, there's a lot of networking that goes on on the golf course. And for the most part, women don't get invited, you know, to play golf with their colleagues, you know, for multiple reasons, but um, really not playing small as a woman leader and, and wanting um letting yourself step out, out of the box. But there is something that I've learned about interestingly recently is that there are other women who are in leadership roles who are stepping a little bit out of the norm, gender you know, norms that were put mm-hmm. into. But this, I'm not sure if this is great to bring up or not, but when they see other women that are in leadership roles but are stepping more out of the gender norms they don't agree and they're sort of like, why are those women really stepping too much out of the gender norms and can mm. actually work against those other women, which is a known yeah. phenomenon, which is very difficult when other women are working against you. Yeah. Yeah. That I've had this discussion with a few um, female colleagues and uh, you know, and I've, I've, I've heard from clients, um, female clients where, there, are, there aren't as many um, female enemies, if you like, um, but they exist, um, and that that in itself is um, surprising, disheartening, and it adds an extra layer of challenge, doesn't it? So, yeah, yes, that is a discussion for for another day, I think. Um, yes, yeah, thank It'd you. Be for- a very long discussion. It would be a lively discussion. <laughs> it would be maybe a group discussion, actually. Yeah, panel. <laughs> yeah exactly okay all right thank you thank you for those those excellent take-home messages um so what are you currently excited to be working on that you'd like to share with our listeners i am really um excited that i am getting to go i would say uh give some talks about coaching and how you can leverage coaching for leadership and physician well-being And so I've been able to do that at a couple of major universities and I'm getting ready to do that again in October and uh, in two settings. So I'm excited about those talks and and continuing to add to those talks. I just had a few papers published on coaching and gender equity issues, which is really exciting. Um, And I am going to be continuing to work with my clients and, and changing my coaching business a little bit more coming up in the fall. Uh, to really focus on women leaders and going towards more group coaching with individual coaching as well. So I'm really, really excited about all of that and just the new new chapter um, coming because the transformations that I see 
with coaching with the women that I coach. It's just incredible. It's just life changing just as it was for me. Additionally, I do want to start coaching men though. And I do want to start coaching um, individuals out of medicine as well, professional mm-hmm. women, because it's, it's all the same. And, and I, I'm yeah. finding um, I've coached several men and I'm just finding they need, you need a lot of coaching as well. It's just a teeny yeah. bit different. Um, but the things that they they're dealing with, but we, you know, so many in the physician world, there are so many of the coaches are women physicians that coach other women physicians, but the men need it just as much. Yeah. So opening that up as well. Yeah. Well, congratulations on, on all the, uh, the invites to, to the talks. Um, Thank you. I mean, yeah, what can I say? Uh, the, the stuff that you're doing, the coaching um, for well-being stuff, you know, kind of and the research behind that is it's so worthwhile. And, um, you know, pro- proving what us us physician coaches kind of know, but it's, you yeah. know, it's, it's yeah. data to give give us a bit more credibility, isn't it? Um, yes, absolutely. And, y- and yeah, you know, why not? You know, just just coach coach uh coach whoever you want. Don't you know, don't don't be restricted. Um it's interesting that you say I think there are definitely um male clients, physicians and otherwise who would prefer to have a female coach. And 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 similarly, you know, I've had female physicians um come to me preferentially because they wanted a male coach rather than another female coach. So, you know, it kind of yeah. it definitely would work both ways. So it's just down to the individual, isn't it? So um yes. Yeah. Absolutely. But we're really talk. just you know looking at our mind when we're getting coached. Yeah. So yeah. you know but yeah. not to put ourselves in a little box and say we must just coach certain certain clients. It's uh it's, really? it's, it's exciting and interesting to to kind of coach different people, isn't it? So it, it really is, and I do want to continue to um, evolve with my coaching of of people who have had trauma, um, mm. because I realize about the um, the very traumatic background that I've had, um, which you know have led to me being the person I am today. That I really helping people go through that journey and understanding how it affected them. Cause it's really what happened to you and what happened to your body and what still lives in your body Yeah, and understanding that today um, and becoming free from that and really understanding yeah. that you're not broken. Um, yeah. These things happen and it lives in your body and there's ways to, to, to heal. Yeah. Well, that is such incredibly, in- incredibly, valuable and important work and thank you for being so open and sharing that kind of side of, of you with us as well um really really appreciate appreciate that that um that courage um okay so if any of the listeners would like to reach out to you what's the best way for them to do so my website is physicianhealer.com and if you go on there you can book a discovery call you can sign up for my five-day journal and that can get you started sort of on the coaching journey of life coaching and on, on Instagram, it's at the physician healer and Facebook at the physician healer. Perfect. Perfect. And I'll, I'll put those in the show notes as well. Thank so. you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, no, no, thank you. Uh, what, what, literally this is um, the, the closing, the closing question. Do you have any, any final words you'd like to share with our listeners before we say goodbye? Uh, just that, that I'm honored um, to be on this podcast with all your other amazing guests and to thank you for all the work that you're doing and, you know, what you're bringing to your clients and talking about bullying for physicians. And, um, you know, it's, we all have to take care of each other. It's time to help the people that help the people. 
And, but to, you know, um, really just know that, that we all deserve to be happy and we deserve to have lives and we deserve to be able to be joyful in all areas of our lives. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, celebrate that for, yeah. for sure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, well, thanks for coming on the show and sharing all your wisdom and wonderful advice and your, your, your personal, um, experience and perspective. It's been you know, really eye-opening and really helpful. And I know the the listeners are going to get so much out of it. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Adam. Thank you so much for joining me and my guest on the Inspiring Women Leaders podcast today. I really hope you enjoyed listening to the episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you did, please download the show and leave it a rating and a review so that together we can share the amazing lessons we've learned from my guests with listeners far and wide and help as many aspiring leaders as possible. Most of my podcasts will also be uploaded to my YouTube channel, Dr. Adam, Physician Coach. So please check out my channel there and hopefully you'll find some videos on similar topics to watch and enjoy. Finally, I have some exciting new group coaching programs and a membership scheme in the pipeline. So please keep a regular eye on my website, www.dradamharrison.com. That's www.dradamharrison.com for updates. Thank you again for your time today. And please join me next time, two weeks from now on Alternate Wednesdays for another brilliant episode of Inspiring Women Leaders.